<laughs> I am, and I'm excited about baseball too. I'm really good. I'm going to try to go down that rabbit hole this year. Nobody watched XFL yesterday. The what? XFL. <laughs> I did. I watched a little bit of it. Was Vince yeah, McMahon was like, part of it? How was it? No, it was just a lot of rock. Just the rock. Yeah. What I what I saw was better than what I saw last year, and the little bit that I did watch. But you know, it was kind of neat. Hmm. I I mean, I, you got you guys know I'm a big fan of these startup leagues. I yep. love them. I love to I love to talk about them, and I I'm just really interested in it. But that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about what happened last Sunday. We were sitting here all together, and we made some bold predictions about what would happen. Yeah. Josh predicted that the Eagles would win, and for a while there, I thought you were going to be right, but let's let's start with Ned. Yeah. Ned, your impressions of the game. That was a great game. Very, very entertaining football game. I thought the two key plays were the ones that you guys will all agree upon. The Hurts fumble that Bolton ran in, and then the Kadarius Tony punt return. That was huge. And that, that really was, in essence, what made the difference. And everybody's saying, well, how about that referee's call? And no, no, hey, they, I'll tell you what they did, in my opinion, was the National Football League went to that officiating crew and said, we're not playing drop the hanky in this game because they got away both teams with a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, and you could see it on the line. There's holding, there's illegal crackback blocks going, but no, let them play, let them play the game, which is fine. That's, that's part of the contest. But those two plays, I think, made the difference. Philadelphia has a very nice football team, and Jalen Hurts is the real thing. Kansas City is finite better with Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, and that's the way I saw the game coming out. Let me ask you this really quickly, I, and I'm not one of the people that have You felt that the NFL went to the officiating crew and said, look, keep it in your pocket. How did you feel about that call, though? I mean, well, it, it went, you know, I'm, supposedly rooting for the Eagles, although I had chocolate chips on the Chiefs, the uh, the call was there. It, it was a penalty. Is it would have called at that juncture of the game? Probably not in other games. But in this one, I don't know why the official called it, but the referee, the white hat, he goes to this guy, consults with him, said, did you see? Yep, I saw a penalty. Okay, you can't talk him out of it. That's not the way, that's not what their, the, not what their premise is. The referee is to adjudicate what happens, and then announce it to the crowd. He didn't make the call. It was the defensive, uh, I think the backfield coach, D-back coach who made it. And that's the way it is. He calls it, penalty's there. Let's talk to Jake Gillette about it because I know you're our, you're in this room. You're our Chiefs guy. You're our Chiefs fanatic. How did you feel about the game? How did you feel about that call? I'll start with the call. Um, he was held twice, and it was illegal use of the hands at one point. Um, Juju was doing a just a little quick 180. And he got grabbed right here, right under the left left or the right breast, I would say. And as soon as he turned, the only thing that guy could do was put his hands here, which is, again, same spot, to hold him a little bit. And then he grabbed him on the back. And I appreciate the, the guy coming out and says, I held him. I just was hoping they didn't see it, and I hope they didn't um, make that call. I saw an article where Bill Belichick would always make his players wear the same color of gloves as the opposing player's jersey. Wow. Think about that. Smart. And so, you know, this whole thing, because, (laughs) you know, they're like, was it a call, was it a call? But I'll tell you, um, the Eagles did a fantastic job keeping Mahomes off the field in the first half. And that's what it was. They were like, you know what? We're taking the ball out of his hands. They ran the ball with Jalen Hurts, obviously. They really didn't run much out of the backfield, which I was blown away. 
Um, Hertz was hitting his guys. They were running that clock out, and Mahomes just didn't have a chance to get out there. And that's, that return for fumble on Bolton um, was humongous. Yes, we, the Chiefs were getting the ball after the first half to start, the, and they just took it from there and scored 28 like it was nothing. Like it was the old Chiefs that showed up. And I call it the trap. They had them in the trap. They were like, oh, we got this. And they got outcoached. The Eagles got outcoached in the second half. What did you think, Alec? Now, I think I think the team that played better ultimately won the game. I don't think you can point to that one call and say that was that was it. That was the reason. On the call itself, for me, for me personally, I definitely got caught up in the moment. I really didn't like it on the day of looking back and seeing it. Now it was more the the live shot. I don't think did it any favors. It looked more ticky tack live than it did when I really got a full look at it. My only qualm with it is that I believe that was the only. Uh, hold defensive holding called all game. And I just, it seems like in that situation, if you've been letting it go all game, why, why there? But Philly could have stopped the Chiefs all the way down the field. They could have done any number of things to prevent that from being the deciding factor. So that wasn't what decided the game. But props to the Chiefs' offensive line. I think going forward, I don't think it matters. Even losing Kelsey, I don't think I don't care who he's throwing to. If Mahomes has a clean pocket, it's they're going to be okay, and that's what won the day. They he could stand still back there, and even even with even if the ankle was a problem, which I don't really think it was, then he had all the time in the world to make all the things he needed to do happen. And then I'm with you in the second half. I think they got the game plan that Andy Reid and them came up with, kept Philly off the field. They figured out how to get through that defense and. They had just enough in there to outlast Philly, who, very good team. Jalen Hurts was the best player in that game. Really, better than Patrick Mahomes? I think so. Okay. Josh Roberts, your opinion? Well, it was a great game. Um, I I am glad that I was wrong. You know, I picked the, the Eagles to win because I thought that they were a stronger team. But the Chiefs in that second half, like you guys are saying, the Chiefs took over. They controlled the clock. They controlled the game. They They won that game because of their talent. As far as that call goes, the only thing that that call did was it allowed the Chiefs to run the clock down to nearly nothing. They would have either kicked a field goal or scored a touchdown and then given the ball back to the Eagles with maybe a minute or minute and a half left, which could have made a difference. Eagles were good enough to drive down and tie that game up and maybe send it to overtime. Who knows? But that's a who knows. The, this is what I say about those calls all the time. Those penalties are committed every play. Holding is committed every play. Defensive illegal contact is committed every play. And this is my conspiracy theory about how the the game is controlled. Because when they call it, it changes the momentum of a game and can very well change the outcome of the game. So I applaud the, the Eagles player for saying, yeah, I was holding. But that doesn't surprise me because they do it every play. It's just they don't get, they don't get called every play. That's why they do it. It's the way the game has developed. But it was a great game. Alec and I argued about this at work this last week because I, Alec, fresh off of it, his take was, I hate to see the game turn on that play, on that one thing. And my my argument with it, the reason why I felt that it was called was, had he not, had he just gotten chucked at the line and he runs that route, he probably would be wide open. Oh, yeah. And that would be an easy touchdown for the Chiefs. So I thought that the that he impeded him from making a play and making a catch. And that is the reason why it was called. If you some, it's one of those things where you can't foretell what's actually going to happen, but it never got a chance to develop Mm -hmm. 
because he was held so much at the line. And I, I didn't have a problem with the call. I'm really disappointed in you, Josh, though, because I thought wow. you would come in and you would just hammer down on this. You see? You see? My point's here. I no, know. I mean, that is my point, is that <laughs> they hold every play, but they call it when they want to. That's how they control the game. I think, Josh, more than they, when they want to, it has to be egregious where you're throwing somebody down to the ground or, as uh, Joe just pointed out, if you're blatantly holding a guy away from running his pass pattern, yeah, you have to call it then. But otherwise, no, you let him go and let him play the game because these are subtle little tactics. Gosh, Johnny Sample, you guys don't remember him. Johnny Sample with the Baltimore Colts was beautiful doing this sort of thing. He'd reach out and grab or talk trash to them and really get them upset. Well, the, that's all part of the subtleties of the game. It's gamesmanship. Oh, yeah. I think for but indeed you, you, the the really serious violations they do have to call and will. Mm-hmm. The king of that though was Comrade Dobler. And Dobler, Dobler was another. Oh yeah, game. Comrade yeah. Dobler was the best. And you can draw a direct line to the best defensive backs or the ones that are the best at hiding. Their, sure. pen, their penalties sure. because you you just about can't defend these athletes without a little tug here a little twist there they're just changing their momentum they're just the same way, they're just way. too good if you if you just try and play them straight up you got you got to cheat a little bit raise, raise your hand here if you remember comrade dobler so just oh. just josh and just ned he played for the cardinals and he was an offensive lineman and king of the late hit king of the clip King of the hold. Yeah. He yeah. did all of it. He played as dirty as any offensive lineman in football. And if you were a Cardinals fan, you loved it. Yeah. He and was he was just the worst. And then he did beer commercials. <laughs> and he did retired. beer commercials and about his it beer too. Commercials were classic. They were awesome. You know, I was sitting next to that other guy and he said something to get the and two guys yeah. fighting with yeah. yeah, he would he would yeah. cause a lot That's, of fights. For local purposes, Dobler was down here on a number of occasions. The last time I had a chance personally to visit with him was three or four years ago at a Children's Miracle Network golf tournament down in Fremont Hills. He would come down here often for that. He, he was not living here when he passed. He was in Colorado, but he, he had a home in Kansas City and a home in St. Louis. And when you interviewed him, he was just as gracious and pleasant. He liked to play the role a little bit, but that's all it was. Right. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We're recapping the Super Bowl for you, in case you missed it. I think you did. I mean, it was just, it, it was an amazing game. I, uh, uh, I, I'll admit to you guys, I stopped watching it at halftime. I was a little disappointed, and I thought, I need to, do, I need to step away. I don't need this pressure in my life. And I, <laughs> I started watching on my phone just the Bleacher Report stuff, and then I, uh, then I went back and, and uh, turned it on like in the last minute to see them win the game because I just I couldn't handle the pressure. So the TV ratings then are wrong. It wasn't $113 million. It was 112,999,999. That's right. That's watching. right. <laughs> exactly right. I have to, you, you always criticize us and say we don't give you enough props. I'm giving you props because you, you picked the game really closely yeah, you did. last week. And uh, you, fantastic job. Thanks. Hats off to Mr. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's take you, a break. You did a great job. No, you, you must have you, had a lot of chocolate chips on that one. Uh, I had a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Good. But you said it, and you you said it again today. The best team won, and you saw it on every phase for the Kansas City Chiefs. Offensively, they were better. Defensively, they were better. Underrated defense going into that game. They also played well on special teams. The pass, the run game, everything worked for the Chiefs after a certain point in that game. 
And Joe, I'm going to tell you why that is the case, too. It's not necessarily because of better athletes or better scheme, but it's because of what we pointed out last week. The Chiefs played a tougher schedule yep. than the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. did. The National Conference East is very down. Philadelphia's schedule was very much amenable to what they could do. And I don't think that they were quite ready to see some of the uh, changes that Andy Reid and his company had in, in, in stock for that game. And I think it may have caught them in the second half by surprise. I want to talk about a couple of things uh, kind of to the side of the Super Bowl, but I think is worth talking about. A lot of players came out after the game was over and said that the field conditions were horrible. Oh, you could tell. I, I also know that when the Chiefs played in Las Vegas – that the pregame show guys were on the field and they said, basically, this is painted dirt. When is the NFL going to step up and start taking care of their fields? Especially in a stage like that. I mean, you would hate to see... resodded that field, if I'm not mistaken, and resodded it maybe two or three weeks ago. Now, they have a a field that's on a track. It's on a railroad track, and you move it outside. and Who knows? That's never been tried before other than when these dome stadiums were built. And maybe that has a detrimental effect. I don't know. But, yeah, it was a little slippery. No question about that. Well, let's not forget the uh, the Chiefs play on that field in week one, and, and Harrison Bucker had a high ankle sprain for eight weeks because of that field. So you can't – and I heard they spent $800,000 on that field, and I heard they just prepared it. Not really – it was like in the last seven days of the Super Bowl. And let's not to mention how much paint – you want to talk about paintable dirt. They did say that the grass was painted – but also how much extra paint you're looking at that field and it's from the 40 to the 40 on, on the LVII, the, the, the look of the whole Super Bowl and it's everywhere. So, you know, I was going to bring that up too. here. The Chiefs didn't allow a single sack, right? Yeah. And, but if you watch it, the Eagles could not get good footing. The play that Mahomes kind of slipped and I thought, oh, there goes his ankle again. And then he runs for like, I don't know, 15 yards to get a first down. I thought he was going to get in the end zone. But the, the Eagle player on that side – slipped and our player just jumped on top of him it's not holding at that point either but the guy slipped and i was like man that is terrible and so i started going back and rewinding and the you know when you can't brace yourself and push off that field with your feet and your feet give what are you going to do zero sacks so i think that played a humongous role um and then going back to the coaching thing i mean sierra is going to be around for a while but it's a second year against the guy that's been doing it over two decades, going on three decades, and he just got outcoached, 100%. What did you think about that, Alec? You know, I mean, the the pass rush definitely was affected. The Chiefs, I think, got kind of like a technical sack. They ran Jalen Hurts out of bounds for like a one. But, like, no, no, neither quarterback got brought down in the backfield. And, you know, a big part of it is just when those defenders tried to push off, they just couldn't go. I think I th- you know, that was such a big stage for that to happen. I think it's getting close to the time when the NFL really needs to come in and implement their – it, there needs to be a league standard, I think. Either whether it's, I think players will mostly say they prefer grass to turf. Mm-hmm. So it's getting close. I think the NFL needs to come in and say grass, grass fields for everybody. This type of grass. I mean, there's there's no reason that you know I've that you could go to a different NFL stadium and the turf itself is going to be a factor. Even in baseball, where your outfield walls could be a little different you know it's like you're still you're playing on the dirt you're playing on and it's like it, things uniformity i think is a good thing especially when you get to a game like this that some guy slipping and falling should not be the difference between a championship and not josh well i re- 
I remember one of the announcers said that they had created their own grass for this. Like they had bred their own grass seed for this grass. Wowie Maui, Maui Wowie. Maui Wowie, cantaloupe haze, who knows? But anyway, obviously it doesn't work. I agree with Alec. And I, I know you hate you're gonna hate when I say this. They need to look at professional soccer because the FIFA requires professional soccer to be played on natural grass. And it they have a standard for that grass. And every field that they play on, especially like the World Cup and all that, has to be on this grass. The NFL just needs to adopt that policy. And I know it's going to be difficult in places like Arizona because the grass is going to die. It's too hot out there. And so they've got to figure out. But that they've got endless amounts of money to, to figure this out. And so it, it's a horrible excuse for the field to be in that condition because you're right. I mean, if, if you can't get footing off the line, you're worthless. If you do get footing off the line – then the quarterback just has to take a step up and then you slide right past him. And you could see that happening all game. You saw it with running backs. You saw it with, with receptions out of the backfield. When they tried to cut, they would slip. And so it's unfortunate. The game was still great, but we might have seen some more spectacular plays if they had been able to get those footings or, or get that cut here and there. So it's a, it's, there's no excuse for it, honestly. Well, you know, you mentioned the two stadiums that I mentioned are both stadiums that are in very arid Mm -hmm. climates and they both have those traction fields where they take them outside and uh something's got to be done Mm -hmm. because i hate to see that a big stage like that my second thing that i wanted to talk about is what what's everybody's opinion on the game commentary and telecast itself this was fox and this was one of the first years that we haven't had big names sitting behind the mics well, I I can't comment on because I didn't listen to it. <laughs> but Jake can. Are you talking about Are you talking about the Greg Olson and the crew, that crew? Yeah. I thought it was odd that they had that crew. Um, I know it was a Fox game, so wasn't it not on Fox? Yeah, so Fox. it was Fox. So you had to take that into consideration. I mean, you might as well just put Tom Brady in the thing because you start his kick start his Ugh. career there. <laughs> But I, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard both ways. I've heard people say they thought Greg Olson did awesome. And I sat there and I was just like, this, there's something missing. That's how I felt, that there was something missing there. I don't know what you're looking for because I haven't well, heard too much about Well, two things. First of all, being a guy that has paid attention to broadcasting my whole life, this was with the first Super Bowl that I can recall where I sat there and I go, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. Usually I know it's going to be – this guy or this guy, Troy Aikman and uh, and uh, Joe, uh, Buck. Joe Joe Buck and I, or I know it's going to be uh, Tony Romo and um, sorry, Nance. Jim Nance. Jim, Jim Nance. Nance. I, I know those names. I know those people. They're going to be there. And this is one of the first Super Bowls where we got basically no name, and I can't even remember Greg Olson playing. And I and I know that Ooh. Fox. He was the He's man. The tight end, one of the greatest tight ends out there. <laughs> no, he really wasn't. seriously. He was a good tight end. Oh, he was a very good. Who did he play for? Carolina, Carolina and oh, Chicago. Yeah. Okay, well, no wonder. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no Carolina. Wonder. He's no Dave Casper. Okay, That's right. All right. You know how many fancy no football Shannon games Sharp. I won because of him? <laughs> oh, come on. Well, I, you know, he's my blood. <laughs> but, but you know that, like, you could tell that it was an NFC broadcast. Because they had spent a lot of they spent a lot of time talking about the Eagles, a lot of time, and they're going into the game. It was one of the things that they kept hammering home was, well, I'm really surprised that Andy Reid didn't take the ball. I'm really surprised that he didn't do it. He's never taken the ball all season long. Why is he going to do it today? 
That is true. I do the, remember that now. The Chiefs always take the ball second half. The plan is to try to score before the first half and do that double turnaround. Yep. I don't. Right. I think it's Everyone odd, but that that's now. what they do. What you? I mean, what'd you think, Alec? I, in terms of just the broadcast itself, I've felt that Fox has been behind CBS and NBC for a while now. Even just in terms of graphics presentation, they're on that same stupid animatronic. I was like, throw, throw, throw the announcers out for that part of it. I just felt that Fox's just visual graph, like graphical fidelity, needs to catch up. I'm, I've liked Greg Olson. I think coming, I think he's done a good job. Oh, will, just stop it with the Greg I, Olson. I will admit, I, I will admit, I don't know. I don't remember the other guy's name. But that that's been their A team all year. This has been the these were the guys that replaced Buck and Aikman. So They've of been course kinda, they kind of were out on the announcer shuffle at the end of last season. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that was I mean they've I think they'd just been so set. You'd had what? How long had Joe Buck and Troy Aikman been doing Fox Fox's big like, games? Seventeen, eighteen. I was like they right. they didn't need to worry about it until all of a sudden they did. <clears throat> and so I thought they had a cup. I thought I thought Olsen's done well. I thought they you know. That's just that's been the team from they've those guys have probably known they would have the Super Bowl for the past six months because once they got that job that was going to be the squad that was on there, but I, I Tom Brady's coming. One of you, one of you mentioned it's, it's the year after this. this I was like, it, it's not going to, it's not happening just yet, and I don't know if he, which of those guys he may or may not replace. Probably Olson because they want, they want. Uh, they want a former player up there and Olsen, so they'll probably kick Olsen out and hope he lands somewhere. But as far as what they were saying, I was watching with a group of people. I I would watch a play and then probably check out, need a snack or something. <laughs> I can't comment too well. And, but I know what I've seen of Greg Olsen throughout the year, I thought he did a respectable job. Let's just stop it with Greg Olsen. How great might be you, Josh? Greg Olsen Un- talk on 104.7 The Cave. The, the days of Howard Cosell and Don Meredith are over. You don't get the dynamic personalities that you had anymore because they want a former player up there who probably has post-concussion syndrome and can't formulate complete sentences all the time so and i know i'm being very harsh about that but that's part of the problem with announcing with sports is they put these former players up there who are like oh yeah i hit the ball real hard you know former cowboy quarterback let's put it that way cowboy quarterbacks who had to quit because of concussions but anyway i I don't know who the A-team would be. I mean, who are the best announcers out there, and who could you put with them that would be interesting enough to listen to? I don't know who that is anymore. Yeah, well, let's just really quickly, we got to go into a break. Favorite announcing crew in the NFL? I, I, I like uh, uh, Michaels, Al Michaels, and, uh, yeah, you, I know you don't like him, but uh, the big tight end from University of Florida and the Cincinnati Bengals, I think, does a, does a very nice job. Who's that? Chris Collinsworth. Collinsworth. He was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. End wide receiver. They were, they well, were interchangeable to... with that team. Okay. But does all right. it make any difference? They're the ones I like. Okay, all right. Okay. The ones you like. All right, fine, fine. Jake, you? I as much as I hate to say it, I I'm so used to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, honestly. Um so that's that's who I I, I would if that's who I would I can't stand Collinsworth. He talks way too much just like Tony Romo. So you take those two out, that's what I got left. Alec, I guess if you have to pick a duo, I guess I'm going Nance and Romo, but it's for Nance. I think Jim Nance is the best at what he does. Very but good. special shout out to Mike Tirico, who can't find his way into a booth full time. I think every time he's oh, there, yeah. he's great. Oh, I do like yeah, Mike, Mike Tirico's Tirico. really good. What about you? I love Swarthy Al Michaels. <laughs> swarthy, Al and you can put anybody with him. He looks kind of sweaty. Yeah, he when is they swarthy. Go, when they go to him. All right, I agree with you. Romo and Nance, they're my favorite. I think uh, I like Tony Romo because he just makes fun of himself. (laughs) All right, we'll be back in a minute.
You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Well, the uh, 72 hours have passed since the Super Bowl where the Chiefs get their claim the day afterwards. They get a day to kind of rest to go to Disneyland. And then there's the parade. And now that's all over. So it's time to start thinking about the future. And they've already lost somebody. And that's Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has gone to the Washington Commanders. And I think this is probably a great deal for him. He was rumored to be if Andy Reid ever retired. One of the reasons why he was staying with the Chiefs was not because he was being turned down, but because he may have turned down other jobs to stay with Kansas City because he thought that was going to open up. But regardless of whatever the thinking was, he's now with the Washington Commanders. I think it's a good deal for Eric Bieniemy. I think it's perfectly okay for Kansas City because Nagy's going to take over now probably and be the offensive coordinator, and he's pretty doggone bright. In fact, he may be the one who was calling many of the plays. Be that as it may, hey, it's the metamorphosis of football. Chiefs may lose some free agents during the offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster is the agent. They have several others, including, uh, oh, gosh, the kid from uh, uh, Jarek uh, McKinnon. McKinnon's a free agent on there. Uh, there, are, there are several others. But the fact is that's, that's what happens in pro football. In fact, all of pro sports, when you have free agency, then you're going to lose them. There's not going to be that total identification. Patrick Mahomes, though, is staying right where he is and will for the next however long he's in the NFL. What is the biggest need that the Chiefs need to address this offseason? D-backs, in my opinion. I thought their D-backs played extremely well. The young guys. Uh, For a younger team, I think Philadelphia could have exploited them under other circumstances and may in the open, and I think it's going to be the opening game of next season. It's a natural matchup having the Eagles and the Chiefs again. And they are on the schedule. Uh, But I think you'll see when that happens, Philadelphia play a different game because now they will have had the experience of playing against the Chiefs' defensive formations and making adjustments to what they can do. Of course, all teams will make adjustments. But I think the D-backs were the the weak sister of a pretty good football team. Come on, Kansas City doesn't have very many weak points. But that's where I'd make some adjustments and do some drafting and depth. They've got to draft depth because some of these guys, Jones and Clark and some of these others, aren't going to be around forever, and they're not young. I want to go back to the Eric Bieniemy thing and get your impressions. I know you're going to leave here in just a minute. You have an event to go to, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I thought it was kind of pointed after the game that in two separate occasions, Andy Reid was asked about the game plan in the second half, and the almost the first words out of his mouth were Eric Bieniemy. Well, sure, he's he's the offensive coordinator. He's going to give him credit, and Andy is like that. Andy will shove uh, some of the uh, the uh, credit from himself to somebody else uh, <clears throat> who is considered to be an auxiliary. The assistant coaches are, and he's Bieniemy's a good coach. He was able to concoct and maybe be the, the supplementing agent for a pretty good offensive attack. Did he come up with it himself? We'll, we'll never know that. But Andy Reid has to do that. That's part of the protocol. Well, but he didn't mention, you know, he didn't come out and say, yeah, thanks to Steve Spagnola, because just as much as the offense got on track, 
So did the defense. They played an extraordinary second half, too. Philadelphia scored 35 points on them. I know, but still, (laughs) they made a great adjustment in the second half and were able to get the Chiefs the ball back. You're leaving now. He's leaving on that note. <laughs> I'm out of here. He Mike says. drop. Mike drop. He's just he's just gone. So Ned's gone. So we can talk bad about him for the next 28 minutes. <laughs> see you guys next next, uh, next Sunday. Yep. See you next Sunday. Peace. Peace. All right. Now that he's gone, he did. He's we, we can have we can have real we can have real conversation now that Dad's out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So w- did you think that that yes, was? Yes, I, I noticed that. That was the first thing I noticed is that both you said on two occasions. Um, the co- coach Reed, Big Red, said that. Also, Mahomes and I said. To, I was talking to my dad. He came up to watch. I said, "The enemy's gone." That would that was their farewell of way of saying. He, they knew it was time. It, it and it is time for him to move on. He's been under this ginormous cloud. I'm not talking about Andy's size, but the ginormous black cloud of like you have the best quarterback and you have one of the best coaches in the league. And he needs to go show himself, which is gonna he's gonna go do it. And and I think it's a good opportunity because if Riviera, the coach of the Washington Commanders, does leave because he is battling cancer, maybe this is Bimini's chance to moving up that way. What are your thoughts on it, Alec? I it's been the head scratcher every offseason of, you know, you see over and over good offense happens, coordinator becomes a head coach. And, you know, we've had four years now. It's like how is Bienemy not getting a job, and you had to think it was probably because he, you know, grass is not always greener on the other side. You've got a pretty good thing here. I was surprised first when I heard, why would you take the Washington job? And then I hear it's an improvement in title and pay and probably like leadership. And I was like, oh, that's why you leave the position you're in. Anyone would do that. But, you know, this is why it's a benefit to have an offensive-minded head coach because now that you – even though you lose the enemy, who, again, will never know the true value of unless – they bought him out next year, which I doubt. Then you've got you've got Reed still in place to right the ship, keep things going the way they were going. Ultimately, good good for the enemy. It just seems like it's his time has been there for years now. So I'm happy to see him finally take up a on a get a promotion. What do you think, Josh? I'll be a bit of a dissenting opinion here. I I think that Eric Bieniemy has been his worst his own worst enemy. A lot of the time, with the cutesy plays that they draw up and the his weird own worst stuff that they enemy. do, yeah, his own worst be enemy. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how much of that is Patrick Mahomes audibling or him actually calling these plays. But I, part of my frustration with the Chiefs is when they do these cutesy plays and get nothing <clears throat> when they're averaging five or six yards of carry just running the ball. So uh, I think it's great that he's finally. Well, I mean, he has he's not getting a shot in as a head coach yet. He probably deserves that. He's proven himself. But I agree this is probably his best shot to make it as a head coach because he's moving into a, a position where he, if he can greatly improve the offense of Washington, then that is another feather in his cap. And, and he deserves that shot. Um, I'm not sad that he's going because, like I said, he's, he was a frustrating coach to me as far as his play calling. Uh, so I wish him the best. There's always been some uh, question about how much that he actually calls the plays. Whether it's him or Andy Reid, sure. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Where at the end of the day, and 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 even Sirianni said it because he lost his offensive coach. Was like, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I will. If I hear something I don't like, I'm like, huh, right. You know, so Andy's going to. I mean, I call it the 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 Waffle House menu that he has as a as a call playing sheet. But I do know, and and, and Andy is like what he did in Philly for 14 years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And I th- here's something and that I'm going to say that I'm going to tiptoe around this really carefully because I could get in trouble by saying this. There's the Rooney Rule in the NFL. And Eric Bieniemy has been the guy that I think a lot of teams, they knew who they wanted to hire, but they could bring in Eric Bieniemy and interview him and get around the Rooney Rule. And I personally don't think that's right. No, I, I think no. that's just playing lawyer ball at that point. But... I, I think he's a guy that's deserved a chance, but I, I'm not sold on him as a head coach. I don't know that he has the makeup to be a head coach. because, And just for the simple reason is that, you know, he's been lauded as being this great connection with Patrick Mahomes. That has not always been the case. Those two guys have not that's always seen eye to eye. Right. And there has been a lot of implications about Andy Reid calling the vast majority of the plays. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for him and Ron Rivera in Washington as the new season progresses. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some other stuff that's going on in the NFL. I want to talk about Fashion Week next. Can we talk about that, guys? Oh, yeah. All right, we'll talk about that next on Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Nedlet's Ned Talk <laughs> right now. Not here with us anymore. So, Ned, if you're listening, love you. <laughs> We're the, Ned- <laughs> we're, the, we're the Nedless Horsemen. The Nedless Horsemen. Uh, I mentioned Fashion Week going into the break. A story I just saw about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that he walked the runway at Fashion Week in New York this week. Yeah. I like the silence. Yeah. I like the, the silence. I don't even know what to say about yeah, that. Well, except, I mean, is what's he, he I, supposed to be doing? Get rid of him. Well, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't play. So. He was activated for the game, though. Did he? Did they yeah, activate him? Because remember, they had they um, who got hurt? They they if somebody, Pacheco? No, no, Kenan? no. They they it was they. Uh, I got it. Hardman went on the IR, so they yeah. had to bring Ceh oh, off the IR, okay. and they had to put him in as a third down back or whatever. Yeah, I mean, do you see him coming back next year though? No. God, yeah, I hope not. He is. Well, I mean, I'm just asking you. I mean, do you? I gotta make some phone well, calls. How? Is he? Is this about to be his fourth? Is he going into his fourth season? I think that this is it for him because as, as a first round pick, he would have had a four year contract with a fifth year option. They will almost certainly decline the fifth year option, but I it might be you know, to the team's detriment to cut him before that rookie. I don't know what the cap hit you. looks like, so he might be around just by virtue of Money. you had him for four years, and then then you let him walk. The uh, draft this year is in Kansas City. It's a nice little uh, bone the NFL's thrown our way in uh, Missouri. So it'll be nice to be down at Union Station, and that's coming up here very quickly. How do you, Jake, see the Chiefs going in this draft? Well, it all depends on what they do with these contracts. Even like Orlando Brown on the on the offensive line is a free agent. So they've got to start shoring up. That was our why they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that O-line. They made sure that they protected Mahomes. Look what it did for us against one of the best pass rush defenses in the league with the Eagles this year. So I do need that, but they're also getting older. And we have 12 picks this year, 12 draft picks in the draft this year, which is insane. So I think they start building. 
And look what they've done with just players like picking up here and there, like with v- v- uh, Valdez, Scantling, and and Juju coming in. And and that's where you look at those guys and go, hey, are you going to come back and play with us? Because we need you to hit this number here because we got these other 12 guys coming in, not 12 wide receivers. But they have a lot of picks this year. So I think they're going to make sure that they protect Mahomes because we've seen that Mahomes is trying to be more of a pocket pass, which is his goal this year, the last couple of years. So that's where I think they put their head in. And, you know, obviously having more defensive guys, um, people are getting hurt all the time. So I think they're going to load up. And Ed said with the DBs, we have some good DBs, but why not, you know, get a couple more? I like what, to see a new edge rusher too, by the way. What do you think, Alec? Depth everywhere. I mean, the Chiefs are in a luxury position. You know, Ned said earlier, they don't have many glaring holes on the roster. So they're kind of in that position where when your pick comes up, you just look at like, who who do we have as the best player on our board right now? Let's take that guy. Whether he's a defensive lineman, whether he's a defensive back, whether it's a wide receiver, tight end, because, you know, their best players other than Mahomes, when I look at Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, are not young men. Mm-mm. So it's it's time to start addressing some depth behind that. And in my opinion, and right now in the NFL, you can never have too many good defensive linemen. If you can rotate eight pass rushers in and out off the field, that will only be to your benefit. Skill position players, you know, try and find some of that. I know they invested in Sky Moore this past year. Valdez Scantling got a three-year deal. We don't know if Juju will be back. On the one hand, he he was good. On the other hand, I don't know if he was good enough to go earn a big payday anywhere else. And he might look to stay here and keep winning. You know, it, what that that remains to be seen. But for Chiefs, I say organize your board, have your best players, how you like them, and when your pick comes up, just take the guy you like most. And also somewhere in there, a quarterback because Henny retired, and you need someone. You know, Mahomes is not invincible. You never know when you might need a guy to come off the bench. What do you think, Josh? Well, I kind of agree with all that. I think depth is important, especially on defense. I think the I agree with Ned that the defensive secondary is probably the weakest part. He's not here. You don't have to agree with him. I know, but I do agree with him. He's always listening. Um, I do think that that's the weakest part of their defense. They played well. I mean, obviously, they played well enough to win a Super Bowl, but I think they could be better. They give up a lot of points. They give up a lot of yardage down the field. The defensive line is getting old, except for, like, Karloftis and a couple of other guys like that. So it's it's always good to have depth there because I agree with Alec. If you can rotate some more of those defensive linemen in, you're going to keep them fresh, keep them moving forward, get more opportunities for sacks. And then if you can maintain what you've got on offense, then all you got to do is look for – Something to put it even more over the top. Like if you could get another stellar wide receiver or, I mean, I, I like the running backs that they, I like McKinnon and Pacheco. I think those guys are going to do great things for the Chiefs if they let them. The offensive line did a great job this year. If they can keep them healthy and get some depth for them just to, to keep keep them healthy. Yeah, I mean, I they're they're a loaded team right now. And to have 12 draft picks is going to make them even more loaded if they do it right. So let me ask you guys this. We'll go around the table quickly on this. Do you think if you're, uh, you're Brett Beach and you're sitting there in the draft room and you've got Andy Reid next to you, do you do you use all 12 of those picks or do you package something together and try to get somebody? And who would you go after? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, thanks. See, when Ned's not around, I get to ask good questions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I like that idea. I mean, you got 12, so, you know, give up a couple. And But I don't know who you would go after. I do think that we need a number one wide receiver. The Chiefs did not have – they have Travis Kelsey. That's their number one wide receiver, and he's a tight end. Yeah. Um, look at what the Eagles did this year, single-handedly by bringing in A.J. Brown. Completely changed. 
it, it made people back off the box. It made guys to where Jalen Hurts could run because of bringing in A.J. Brown. So I think they need a stud wide receiver. Who is that guy, though? I I don't pay attention to the to – the, well, I'm saying it's a girl, it has to be come from the rookie. I don't think you're going to find someone that's – I don't know of any NFL players right now that are at a point where they're going to be switching teams. So I can't think of anybody that we need, like who it is. I don't know who's the best ones coming off of the draft. So he got a. There's the wide receiver coming out of TCU. I think he. I'm and again. I need to look into it a little more in the coming weeks. But his he was the one that played in the national championship game. Big guy, fast. He's kind of the. But you know, last year's draft class was so loaded at wide receiver with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and. Uh, Bama's Jamison Williams coming out of Alabama. I think we had five or six first-round wide receivers last year, and this year that just doesn't seem to be the common consensus is that there are that many guys. I'm with you. If you were going to package and move, you you really only in, – in the draft nowadays, you see that for offensive linemen, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and pass rush. They're not doing it for a quarterback. I don't know if there's a wide receiver they love enough to move, so it's going to be a matter of – and if they so maybe if Orlando Brown does walk, they move up and try and get a tackle, or they go and they add what they see as an elite pass rusher. But even with twelve picks, since they're down at pick thirty-two, you're going to have to give up a lot to move up anywhere near a range to get those perceived elite blue chip talents. So I just quickly flipped on an article here, and it said that uh, per what people are predicting is that Michael Thomas, who's been a stud receiver for the Saints was hurt all last year, played only three games, that maybe the Chiefs take a flyer on him and see if that doesn't spill, fill the the need. CeeDee Lamb is going to be out there too, but a lot of people feel he'll end Dallas up will take care back, of back in Dallas. Uh, Jacoby Myers with New England, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, and DJ Clark, the Detroit Lions. Those are the those are the big, those are the big names. Frankly, that's not a big name list, really. Trade yeah, for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, let's do it. I was thinking about that, trading for Tyree Kill. So what do you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. DK Metcalf was on the on the block this year. I don't know. Did Seattle end up signing him? But they were like, that is where he should go, and he ended up staying at Seattle. So there are some decent ones out there. If you think about some of the older guys, like you said, Michael Thomas. um, I still want someone you can throw the ball to. That's going to like a Mike Williams for the Chargers. Some height. Get a six six guy in there that's fast, has good hands. They can stay healthy. Well, you know, I think the Chiefs will probably want to address this in the draft book. The reason they moved on from Tyree Kills because the wide receiver market has exploded. If you want one of the guys like that, you're going to have to pay them just an absurd amount of money. And when, you know, Mahomes, as team-friendly as it is, he's got a big contract. Kelsey's got a big contract. I think they don't want to give a wide receiver that kind of deal, so they're almost certainly going to be looking at the draft. Odell Beckham Jr.'s out there. <laughs> Washed up. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll still be out there alright when we come back we'll talk about our spring sports that we're most looking forward to as we wrap up our Nedless Ned Talk you're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave part of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. A Nedless Ned Talk as Jake Gillette, Alex Scott, and Josh Roberts and I, Joe Weston, sit around and we 
talk about sports. We kind of try to keep it light as we wrap up the show. And uh, it's, you know, February's over. I think uh, this is our, we've got one show next week in February, and then that's it. And then March is uh, right on us, which is spring. So I know this is probably be a tougher question for you than anybody else around the table. Your toughest question for you. What's your favorite spring sport, Jake? Golf. Masters over Mas- over oh. Final Four. Well, you got you got this. This is exactly what's happening is you got golf coming in with Masters, but then you got March Madness right around the corner. I think KU has four more games for the Big Twelve tournament, and then it's Ooh. that's the Rock Chalk Jayhawk National Champions from last year, Jayhawk. So, <laughs> what, how are they doing this year? They're doing just fine. Rank five. They're just gonna they're gonna be a number one seed. But yeah, that's I would say spring. But it's so fast. It's like two or three weekends, and next you know it's April 1st, yeah. and that's when they do the Final Four and the, and the Finals. So then, of course, you all have baseball. So, I'll, Well, I'll yeah, thanks for spoiling it. it for us. Spoiler alert, these guys <laughs> love baseball. Alec, I know you're uh, paying attention to spring training. Yep. What, what's going on in the Cardinals world right now? You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot like last year. You know, we lose Yachty, we gain Wilson Contreras. You lose some, you lose some defense, you gain some offense. I've... I'm excited to watch more Cardinals baseball. I'm worried it's going to look a lot like last year, but baseball coming back, you know, winter ending, spring training, all that. It's just a good feeling to have all that wrapping up and getting on with the spring sports. But I am of the mind that the NCAA tournament, I think, is the best sporting event that we put on in the U.S., and I can't wait for the basketball to kick off. Now look at look at Josh. He, that, that was a wow. shocker to him. What's, what do you think is better than that? For a spring sport, or you said like best sporting. I think it's about as good as sport gets because the 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 competition that just you see what it means to the athletes, and also you can just sit around and watch it all. I mean, what other what other sport does a guy have his vasectomy for? Exactly. (laughs) You get it done. You sit around for four days and you watch basketball nonstop. Your favorite spring sport? I mean, soccer goes year round. So well, yeah. I mean, I wow. March Madness is fun. It really is. It's fun to watch because. I like the idea of an underdog being able to win. And that's really about the only sporting event where that's possible anymore, where a 16 seed can beat a one because they get the chance, you know. They're going to try to do that with college football once they get the 12-team playoff. And did you say college baseball? College baseball. Yeah, yeah. college baseball. There you go. Because all you got to do is get in. And the, the thing about the NCAA tournament is there are 64 teams plus four play-in games. So there's 68 teams that get a shot. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I'm not a golf fan. Golf is a great Tiger's it's a back. great nap if it's, if it's on. Um, NASCAR? No, NASCAR? gosh, no, not NASCAR. I'm excited about baseball, and my loyalty is with the Cubs, but I'm just going to enjoy watching baseball this year. I'm not going to worry about – I will root against the Cardinals most of the time which is fun because everybody around here is a Cardinals fan. But um, my loyalty will be with the Cubs, but I just want to watch some baseball. I'm excited to watch the Yankees. I'm excited to watch. I wish the Montreal Expos were back. (laughs) They are. They're just the Washington Nationals. Well, yeah. Yeah. So in the World Baseball Classic is this year, and uh, I think the last time it was played, United States won, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a big deal because they were the underdogs. We are the underdogs in our own sport. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they could defend themselves in the cup this year because uh, I, I 
personally like the World Baseball Classic. I think I, it's great. I mm-hmm. get into it. I really enjoy it, and I think the players enjoy it too. So it's the World Cup of baseball. We'll be back. Yes, it's it's obviously <laughs> emulating themselves after soccer, but it is it's working. Thank you so, for that, Joe. So, I appreciate there you go. That. There you go. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next Sunday. Ned Reynolds will be with us for the full hour. At least I hope that he will be. I don't know. Maybe not. Then you can just stay away next Sunday. We'll be okay. We'll just do it ourselves. Thanks to Jake Gillette, Alex Scott, Josh Roberts, Nick Fury, Brian Tyndall, Mike the Intern, and Corbin Campbell. We'll see you guys next Sunday. And thank you, Joe.